Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. We're going to talk about something which is concerning many in our nation today yet again. In this hour to hear you talk to me, it is a talk show. Pick up the phone and join us, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. You can tweet us, follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. I'll incorporate those FB messages, emails, and more during this hour. Yesterday, we talked about a man who was standing selling CDs and DVDs outside of a convenience store in the state of Louisiana, knew the owner, had permission from the owner for doing it for six years, and we saw a horrific video of two police officers holding this man to the ground who allegedly had a gun in his pocket, and I kind of wonder how can you get your gun when your hands are being pinned by not one but two police officers, and was shot fatally, losing his life. We talked about that man, and we talked about that loss of life. We talked about African Americans who were dying more and more, and the numbers seem to be growing at the hands of police officers. And those police officers are not African American. We are talking about people who were pulled over for a simple traffic stop or held like Sandra Bland in a jail cell. And this is becoming a bigger problem and a bigger issue. Less than 24 hours, I sat here in this very seat, in this very hour, talking to you about the plight of African-American males when police approach them. How more and more African-American males are dead at the hands of a police officer. How there's a frustration and a disconnect between the African-American community and law enforcement. And less than 24 hours later, 24 hours later, I'm sitting in the exact same seat in the exact same studio, and I'm going to talk to you again about the exact same issue, but it's a different person who's lost their life in less than 24 hours from the last discussion. This individual is Philando Castile. His head slumps backward while he lies dying next to her. That her is Diamond Reynolds. She's looking directly into a camera and she explains that a Minnesota police officer just shot her fiancé. Not one, not two, not three, but four times. The United States, unfortunately, by now, is accustomed to seeing grainy cell phone videos of officer-involved shootings. This footage is from Falcon Heights. It's outside the city of Minneapolis. It's something different. It's more visceral. 
It's a woman live streaming a shooting's aftermath with the police officer just a few feet away. His gun is still pointed on her fiancé, who's bloodied and dead or dying. She said he let the officer know that he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet and the officer just shot him in his arm. This is what she said when she broadcast last night the shooting and posted it live on Facebook. Let's take a listen. Diamond Reynolds capturing the moments after her boyfriend was shot by a Minnesota police officer during a traffic stop. We got pulled over for a busted tail light in the back. And the police, he's, he's covered. He killed my friend. Philandro Castile's white shirt soaked in blood and in distress. They were pulled over allegedly for a broken tail light around 9 p.m. outside of St. Paul. He's licensed to carry. He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet. Reynolds live streaming video from inside the car with her four-year-old daughter in the back seat. He let the officer know that he was, he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet and the officer just shot him in his arm. The officer, still pointing the gun inside the car, explains why he opened fire. We're waiting for a back. I will, sir. No worries. I will. He just shot his arm off. We got pulled yeah. over on Larpener. I told him not to reach for it. I told him to get his hand open. Please don't tell me this, Lord. Please, Jesus, don't tell me that he's gone. Please don't tell me that he's gone. Please, officer, don't tell me that you just did this to him. You shot four bullets into him, sir. He was just getting his license and registration, sir. Multiple officers at the scene order Reynolds out of the car, handcuffing her. Her cell phone falls to the ground as she continues pleading with police. Please don't tell me he's gone. Jesus, no! Please, no! Please, no! Don't let him be gone, Lord! Eyewitnesses capturing this video of officers trying to revive Castile before he's taken to the hospital where he died. Reynolds then put in the backseat of a police car, continues talking to the camera. I can't believe they just did this. I'm f***ing... Ah! Ah! It's okay, I'm right here with you. Please, Lord. Y'all please pray for us, Jesus, please, y'all. I ask everybody on Facebook, everybody that's watching, everybody that's tuned in, please pray for us. Reynolds says her boyfriend worked as a cafeteria supervisor at a St. Paul school and had no criminal record. Crowds gathering at the scene of the shooting and at the governor's mansion demanding answers. Poof. That is very powerful. Mr. Castile is an African-American. He was a school nutrition services supervisor who was popular among his colleagues and students, according to his employer. He was pulled over because he had a busted taillight. Many of us, myself included, have been there. That's what Ms. Reynolds, who you just heard, explained on the Facebook video. He told the officer he was armed, and he had a concealed carry permit. By the way, in the state of Minnesota, if you are a law-abiding citizen and you have no record, you can obtain very easily a conceal and carry permit. Almost every state in our country allows conceal and carry to some degree. And in Minnesota, you don't have to have a special job or special license to own one. 
By the way, it has not yet been confirmed unless we have new reports since I started the broadcast uh, whether or not he had that. Those records are kept very secret in the state uh, of Minnesota. But, of course, that will be forthcoming, that information, uh, in, in the days ahead, I would imagine. And this is something that we really have to look at as well. More people own guns now than ever before. So in other words, when a police officer pulls someone over, African-American or otherwise, they're going to be more and more likely to be holding a gun. In the case of this man, he allegedly had a gun, allegedly had a conceal and carry permit, allegedly told the police officer that. Yesterday, the man had a gun in his pocket. Was it legal? I mean, I thought police shoot after a weapon, is, a weapon is either pulled on them or they say, put your hands up or I'll shoot. Stop or I will shoot. And I heard they're not supposed to shoot somebody in the back unless they say it three times. You know, I've heard so many things. And, of course, you watch things on television as well. And you get confused what's real and, you know, what's, what's Hollywood. But I want to add another element. You heard another voice on that audio. That was a four-year-old child who was in the back seat who witnessed this, and that will never be erased from her mind. She also witnessed her mom being handcuffed. What was the mother being handcuffed for? Exercising her First Amendment right by videotaping this? If you notice, she kept her cool with the cop, and I don't blame her. She's got her kid in the back seat. As she's speaking, Castile's wrists are crossed. Blood covers the bottom of his white T-shirt sleeve and a large area around his sternum and his ribcage on the left side. And perhaps in shock or agony, he just is peering upward with an empty look. Now, though you can't see St. Anthony uh, police officer's uh, face there, you can hear the agitation in his voice as he tells Reynolds to keep her hands where he can see them. She remains composed through much of the video. Quote, I will, sir. No worries. I will. She's got a four-year-old daughter in the back watching this. The officer still sounds distressed as he explains. Quote, I told him not to reach for her. I told him to get his hands off it. Moments later, she pleads not only with God, but also the officer. She realizes her boyfriend won't make it, and you heard her cries. You can continually hear her pleading more outside the car. Officers approach her with guns drawn. One ordering her to her knees. And that's when you see the sky that the phone begins filming. Now, later at the Hennepin County Medical Center, her very first fears were confirmed. Her 32-year-old fiancé was gone. Less than 24 hours after an officer-involved shooting was filmed by bystanders in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, taking the life of 37-year-old Alton Sterling. Mr. Castile's mother told CNN, and by the way, that was courtesy of CNN earlier, that he and his sister stopped by her house earlier. During the visit, they discussed the dangers of carrying weapons, ironically, even though both of them do have conceal and carry permits, allegedly. Quote, I really don't even want to carry my gun because I'm afraid they'll shoot me first and then ask questions later. She recalled her daughter saying that. She learned of the shooting via phone calls from people witnessing the stream on Facebook. And when she and her daughter arrived on the scene, they were not permitted to speak to her son's fiance, her future daughter-in-law. By the time she arrived at the hospital, the grieving mother said her son was already dead and authorities would not let her see him or identify him. Police won't let her do that until tomorrow to ID him. Quote, 
right about now it's not looking too good because I'm not getting the answers that I'm asking for. They're telling me that they don't know anything, so I don't know anything. She said she was outraged by her son's death, that he was a law-abiding citizen who did nothing wrong. She called her son legitimate all the way across the board. She said, quote, he had a permit to carry. But with all of that, trying to do the right things and live accordingly by the law, he was killed by the law. A lot of African-American men, women, and children are being executed by the police, and there are no consequences. So in essence, I feel like it's becoming more and more repetitive every day. You hear of another black person being shot down, gunned down by the police, people that are supposed to protect us. Now, one of the people, one of the one one of the things you may ask, uh, to her point, and I wanted to wait till I got to that point as I just did. To her point, a lot of black people are dying at the hands of police. There are going to be people in this very hour that say it's not about race, is it? Well, there is a white man in Minnesota who is the governor of that state, Mark Dayton, and he has something to say as to Castile being black, and if that does matter. Listen up. Heartbroken for Minnesota because, uh, you know, I've heard in the last uh, few hours from very distinguished African-American men and women who have recounted to me how they've been pulled over, singled out, and treated very differently because of the race from how uh, white Minnesotans expect to be covered. Would this have happened if those uh, passengers, the driver of the passenger, were white? I don't think it would have. So I'm forced to confront, and I think all of us in Minnesota are forced to confront, that this, this kind of uh, racism exists. And uh, that it's incumbent upon all of us to vow that we're going to do whatever we can to see that it doesn't happen, it doesn't continue to happen. Now that is a white governor. Let me ask you some questions, and I hate the fact we're having this conversation yet again. I knew we'd have it again. I didn't know within 24 hours. One, with everything you have seen, my friend, my listener, everything you've seen, you've heard, and you've read about Philando Castile's shooting, what's your take on this situation? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Did you happen to watch the video that you just heard? Diamond Reynolds, his fiance, that was live streamed on Facebook following that shooting yesterday. And if so, how did it affect your view of this situation, honestly? 8886-LESLIE, 8886-537543. You know, almost two years ago, Michael Brown was fatally shot August 9, 2014. What's changed? 8886-LESLIE. Have the implementation of body cameras done anything to stop the violence or even the growing awareness? Riots. Even peaceful sit-ins is like we're seeing in Minnesota today. 8886-LESLIE, 8886-537543 is the number. President Obama said all Americans should be deeply disturbed by the fatal shootings. Does the fact that both of these men were armed with guns change your opinion of these shootings at all? 8886 Leslie, like I said, more and more people have guns, more and more people have conceal and carry. The cops are going to shoot you just because you have a gun or you go to reach for your wallet, your cell phone, your license, your registration, the thing they're asking for, and you have a gun, which more and more Americans do, are you going to get blown away, especially if you're a black man? And by the way, it won't just be black men, I would imagine, with more and more people owning guns. What do you say? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. If you are black... If you're a black man, an African-American, do you fear a simple traffic stop could lead to your death? Pick up the phone and join me. I am a white woman. I do not know from your mindset. If you're a black man, an African-American man, do you fear a simple traffic stop could lead to your death? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543 is the number. Maybe you're a police officer. 
If you are a white police officer, and even if you're not, just an opinion on this, do you think white police officers are on a higher alert when approaching black individuals? Be honest. 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. And if so, why do you think that is? 8886 Leslie, follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Quick break back to you after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Pick up the phone and join us. 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543. Let's start it out with uh, Cliff in Virginia listening on TuneIn. Cliff, good afternoon on line four. Um, less than 24 hours later, and I'm having not to put forth the same questions, but a, you know, a similar uh, type of issue. What do you have to say about this, Cliff? And what's your take? Well, I think the big issue is that, you know, we as a nation, we are struggling with police encounters between African-Americans and law enforcement. And we really need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do as a nation to address this crisis? Because it continues to happen, and it's, and it's happening at an alarming rate. And we really need to understand why are police reacting the way they're reacting. And quite frankly, you know, they're reacting the way they're reacting because of the, of the history of this country and how black men in particular are perceived in this nation, black men are perceived as criminals. So when a law enforcement officer sees a black man um, in a police encounter, he's automatically at a heightened state of awareness based off the prejudices that have been promoted throughout the history of this country towards black men. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be back. We'll hear more from you, Cliff. I'll respond, and we'll get your calls at 888-6LESLIE-DON'T-GO-AWAY. Pulled over for a broken taillight. Four-year-old witnesses her future stepdad being shot by a police officer. Allegedly, uh, this man had a gun, a conceal and carry permit, told the officer that, and was reaching for his license and registration. Now, we'll find out more information as it comes up, but, of course, we talk about what we have. We were talking about Cliff with Cliff in Virginia on line four, listening on TuneIn. Uh, Cliff, uh, thank you for holding. Uh, uh, please, please, please continue. You said something has to be done about it. I agree. What can be done about it? What does the next president need to do about it? There are many that feel that this president, even though I like him and voted for him, uh, didn't do enough and hasn't done enough with respect to this issue uh, and uh, with respect to helping the black community. Well, first of all, all, I would push back against that. I think the president has done as much as he can do, given the Congress that he's been uh, given. Good point. It's not going to be very progressive as it relates to law enforcement, as it relates to law enforcement's ability to engage diverse communities. I think what the next president uh, needs to do, hopefully that would be Hillary Clinton, is really work with the Justice Department to develop some, some diversity training, some sensitivity training as a new police tactics for law enforcement and when they engage uh, folks of color in, um, in the community. I, I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing, we need to get, have more grassroots outreach to community groups, civic leagues, churches, fraternal organizations, to start educating the public how they need to interact when they're engaged law enforcement. Because what a lot of people have a problem with in this country is understanding that when you meet up with law enforcement, your rights are on hold at a minimum. So it's hard for a lot of people to transition from being a free citizen to having their rights interrupted when they're dealing with law enforcement. So sometimes the response that people give to law enforcement may incite that law enforcement officer to behave in a manner 
that is professionally inappropriate. So really, the onus becomes on the citizen to become proactive as it relates to how they deal with law enforcement. I mean, that's, I mean I've been pulled over by police officers numerous times, and as a black man, I make sure I put my hands at the 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock position. I make sure that I speak in a respectful fashion, and I make sure that I say yes, officer, and no officer, and I'm complying with his instructions to the letter. Because I don't know what kind of data officers had. So, but a lot of people don't have that kind of savvy, and, and I'm not trying to say that it's the responsibility of citizens to really manage themselves, but given this rash outbreak of violence by law enforcement, particularly against folks of color, we have to start thinking differently about how we deal with law enforcement. All right. Thank you. Very well uh, said, Cliff, and appreciate your contribution. Let's go to Chris in Ithaca, New York, Line 5, listening on WNYY. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon. Hi, Chris. What's your take on this? Well, see, I have to be a police officer here in New York. And the problem is what you had down in Baton Rouge there, that's just an example of bad police work there. I don't think it has anything to do with race or how that cop could have been racist. But bottom line is that's just bad police work down there. I mean, if he had two officers on top of him, and even if he was reaching for a weapon, there is no way a firearm should have been discharged in that situation. Now, 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 correct, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't does don't you have to have the gun pointed at the cop or be reaching for the gun? You can't reach for a gun if you're on your belly or your back and your gun's in your pocket and you got two cops on top of you for yesterday um, or day before yesterday. And then for, yesterday we don't have the, the video footage of that. She claims that he said that he has a conceal and carry permit and was reaching for his license and registration. Well, regardless, I think, I mean, the only way he was at fault there is when you have two officers. I mean, if you, it's still, I mean, I feel, I feel for the victim there. You know, you're going to, unfortunately, you're going to have, what was it, four or five children that are going to, you know, continue to grow up without a father. And that's just an example of bad police work. It's nothing to do with race. And I believe now we're going to have the Black Lives Matter movement down there. And Al Sharpton. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can you say it has nothing to do with race? One, he was pulled over for a broken taillight. Let's just give the the, the cop a pass and and say that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this guy had no idea if the driver, its passenger, if there were any African-Americans in the car. Uh, but once he sees the individual is an African-American, he says license and registration, and he tells the guy, I have a gun, I have a conceal and carry permit. Like, in other words, you know, I'm not reaching for it. goes to get his license and registration, and he just shoots him. You feel he would have done the same if the guy was white? The governor of Minnesota, a white guy, doesn't agree with you on that. Right. I mean, well, of course. I mean, people are entitled to their opinions and everything. But, I mean, I, I don't like to bring up other cases, but you look at the officer right there in Ferguson, Michael Brown. I mean, all the evidence proves that the officer, Darren Wilson, was in the right. But yet, you know, he, the police, you know, with everything going on down there, the police department suspended him, and he's no longer going to be an officer. But I think the problem is all these officers come out of the academy, and, you know, and I've been a police officer for three years now, and you come out of the academy, and, you know, you want to do everything that you think police work is. A lot of these officers are coming out of the academy with a chip on their shoulder, and that's then that can't be allowed. There has to be, you know, better training when it comes up to police officers. I mean, you would like, you would, in a perfect world, you would like to assume that all police officers, you know, come out thinking the same stuff and, you know, but, you know, they're not on, they're not on the same page as, you know, common citizens. 
how do, but, we, I mean, how do, how do we change this? I mean, basically, you had better screening. You can't tell. 20 years ago, you could go, uh, you know, I say to be a sheriff. If you knew, if you knew the sheriff, the sheriff could put in a good word for you. And, uh, you know, he could say, oh, yeah, this is Jimmy. He's a good old boy. You know, let him be sheriff. And then you have these people around, and I just think there has to be a better background check and uh, better screening. Okay, so you agree okay. You agree the guns and more people having guns are going to be a part of this problem growing, and I do agree with you there. I don't agree with everything else you said, but I do agree with you there. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it, Chris. Let's go to Guillermo in uh, Albuquerque, uh, line two, listening on KABQ. Guillermo, good afternoon. Oh, my blood was boiling with this last guy. How can he say that it's not about race? It's totally about race, 100% about race. It's, you know, I would be afraid to be in Ethica, New York with him as a cop because <laughs> he doesn't understand what is going on. He is the problem right there. That guy is the problem. Somebody that goes to the academy and they get trained to run a mile in three minutes and to, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, fold their clothes in a, in a square and shine their shoes and all that, and they never get trained about dealing with people and dealing with situations that are dangerous and high stakes. You know, they, they just don't get it. If I got stopped, which I have for a taillight, a cop comes to my window, I give him my license. He goes, hey, did you know that your license is uh, broken there, sir? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know. Hey, why don't you go get that checked, okay, and give me your license back, and I go. He doesn't shoot me four times because I'm a white guy. And that's what happened to I when, when you I hadn't I hadn't seen the video or heard the audio when you were playing it. I was literally with a knot in my throat with the despair that this woman was going through with the little baby in the back and the the, the anguish and the stupidity of the situation, the things that we do to each other. And you know it's Guillermo, a, when you talk about that baby, four years of age I agree with you in the back, there are so many African American children in these communities that are seeing adults or young adults in their community being treated poorly or uh, constantly being stopped, yeah, uh, be, no, being accused, uh, you know, being yelled at, being cuffed, being shot. How do we expect the future generations to respect law enforcement when this is what they witness? That four-year-old girl is not going to have a positive, is not going to think that cops are out there to protect her. Yeah, they, they, cops should be the voice of reason, not the threat of death, ever. You know, and it's just unreal to me that 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 it has that it has happened. And now I can see the guys at Fox News right now lining up Giuliani and Mark Furman and uh, Newt Gingrich and all these guys. Too. Oh well, you know what you don't understand is that the, you know our white cops are being uh, uh, hammered by President Obama and he hates them. No. It's not it at all. It's racism at it. It's well and alive in America. And the more people deny it, the more people hate Obama because he brought it to the surface. It is still alive and well. And it's just, it's just outrageous what happened. I just can't. When I heard it, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe it happened again. They just don't learn. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. We're going to take a break when we come back. More of your calls right after this here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Back to the calls. Let's go to Troy in Charlottesville, Virginia, listening on WPVC. Troy, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. How are you? How are you? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, it doesn't have it in I am. 
Um, so uh, I don't know what you guys want me to do. Uh, <laughs> um, so what do you want me to do, guys? Okay. In the meantime, let's go to Spencer in Phoenix online too, listening on KPHX. Spencer, good afternoon. Uh, what are your uh, thoughts and feelings on this latest uh, fatality? Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, the, first off, good, good afternoon and good thanks afternoon. for having me. So, so, so the main thing is, and I'm an, Af- I'm an African-American, uh, male, um, I'm 38 years old. I'm born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona. I've had my share of run-ins with law enforcement and, um, you know, I guess it's safe to say that, you know, I've been lucky thus far, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I've never been a... A person who, you know, acted in an erratic, erratic way. But, you know, the more and more I see this happening, it's, 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 it's becoming the, the uh, desensitization of, you know, violence disproportionately with, you know, uh, people of color. And I, I once said it was limited to, you know, black men, and that's not even the case anymore. And it's just, you know... It's so disturbing. You know, I work for a big corporate. It's a bank. I, I work for a big bank, and you know, when this sort of thing happens, I go to work, and you know, I, I get, I get this, I get this outpour of, you know, just, you know, people. Uh, usually, they're, you know, of white descent, um, uh, Caucasian descent, and they're, you know, they're, they, they, they're just, you know, they're embarrassed. They, they say they're sorry, and you know, and you know, they try to, for the most part, they try to. Uh, they try to relate, and when they when they do so, it becomes almost unfathomable that you know we. It's like a, there's a hunt for us. We are the hunted, you know, and it, it's so it's so hard. It, it it removes all will to place stock in law enforcement to do the right thing under exigent circumstances, and it's just it's it embarrasses. It, it's you know I, I can't walk with my head up. You know, it's just, it, it's so, it's so, it leaves me so sore. And I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the remedy is. I don't even know where to begin. You know, I, because a lot of it has to do with the, you know, the way that officer may feel. They may have had a preconceived notion of the individual, or they might have just had a, a, a really, you know, coarse day, you know, and it's sad to think that, you know that can that determines whether or not you're going to return home safely to your family. It is just wildly troubling. You know, I don't know what I don't know what to do. And I I, mean, I, I, wanna... I don't. You know what? It just I'm getting uh, goosebumps and not in a good way hearing you describe this. This is not something that I and and most uh, Americans uh, go through. I hope you will call me again, and I appreciate you being so honest and uh, sharing that with us. Um, thank you, Spencer. Let's go to Troy, who's on line five in Charlottesville, Virginia, listening to WPVC. Troy? Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, Troy, how you doing? Troy, you with us? Okay, I can't hear Troy. Let's, uh, ch- you guys put him on hold. We'll go back to him in a minute. Guys, when I get you on, I have very limited time, so let's get to it. Andy in Alabama, line four, listening on TuneIn. Andy, good afternoon. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've, I've been listening to all, all of the comments and just like everybody else, all your listeners. So I, I just want to say that at the end of the day, after all the data has been examined and after all of the facts have been looked at, in the final analysis, these, this police officer will be acquitted. 
and that is what needs to be looked at. I and why do you think why do you think the police officer will be acquitted? Because if you look at the data and let the data speak for itself, in in in, in previous instances where this type of anomaly, this type of situation scenario has happened, the police officers are acquitted, and so. Um, I, I think that people really need to be focused on, on the end result and what is happening. All right. Uh, I think you, you are right to a degree. We look at the end result, but that would be the legal system. But, you know, a life has already been lost by that point. So in a sense, isn't it too late? And don't we need to do something before that? Andy, some good comments and appreciate you joining us. Um, uh, let's go back to Troy. He had a, a problem. He's uh, back with us. Uh, Troy on, I think, line five. Uh, Troy, good afternoon. What is your take? Well, my take is this the African-American man. You know, I'm hearing all these black folks calling up here crying for whitey to do something for them. Unfortunately, Troy, we tried three. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't tell. I can't hear what you're saying, sweetie. Well, let's go to Michael in the Bronx. Uh, Michael's on line three. Uh, good afternoon, Michael. Michael, you've called our show before. You're an African-American male. I asked a question earlier. Do you fear if you see a police officer? And be honest, do you feel you get stopped by cops more than I do just because you're black and I'm white, honestly, A, and B, do now because of these things, do you fear more so when you're driving, and I know you have a car, we met in New York, saw you, we waved by, you were driving off in your car, um, if you're in your vehicle and a policeman uh, pulls you over, are you frightened that that may be your day to die? Absolutely. I'm so damn scared because I don't know what the hell's going on in this in this cop's mind, or many of these cops, and a lot of them shouldn't even be put on a damn uniform in the first place because they don't know how to control themselves. They don't know how to control their asses. They, they took an oath to protect and serve to support and comply with the laws and constitution of the United States, and amongst that is treating people equally. And as I said, if they got a problem abiding by that, then they shouldn't be on the police force. Granted, I've never been a police officer, but there's some stuff that is simple, common sense. All right? And we've seen this stuff happen time and time again. So how do we They're stop it? How do we stop it, Michael, from happening time and time again? For one thing, you start prosecuting and punishing these police officers instantly when they... So you wait. So you agree with what Andy in Alabama said? They gotta be. They gotta be punished. No more excuses. They have a scripted set. Yeah, I got a scripted playbook of excuses. It's a tragedy, not a crime. And they want to falsify um, statements against the victim. We've had this for over twenty plus years now here in New York City, and now we've had it here in other places. And people that perpetrate this, and I'm talking about the right wing rhetoric that always fish for excuses and degrade the, the black victims. They need to be held accountable too for inciting this. Here's one major question I want everyone to consider, Leslie. How the hell can you right-wingers and you police officers explain that when you're confronted with a white guy pointing a gun at you, you are so hesitant and exercised with strength and shooting that guy, but you're so quick to pick up a gun and shoot a black person just because you think they may have a gun, regardless if it's an open carry state. Do you carry a gun, Michael? Negative. And for the very reasons why I stated. All right. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. I'm so sorry for being so upset. Oh, no, no, Michael, you have every right. You have every right to be upset. 
a lot of America, I'm upset. A lot of Americans are upset. Your, your emotion is warranted. Don't ever apologize for your true feelings. Uh, let's go to Dean in Buffalo, New York, line one. Uh, Dean, good afternoon. Yes. Um, thanks for having me on your show. In this particular instance, I mean, these sad particular two instances, I think it's more about the some police officers getting drunk with power. Um, a lot. Does the gun and the badge give them power? And are are these police shooting first and asking questions later because they're fearful? Or do you think there really is something to the assumption if a black guy has a gun, he's up to no good? Unfortunately, I I think it is a matter of um, if if a black guy has a gun, he's up to no good. Okay, so, so there is there is some element of racism involved, which is why this seems, uh, and not just seems, does happen disproportionately uh, to men of African-American, uh, the African-American race. I am so sorry I'm out of time. I know so many people holding to talk to me. I hope you will uh, continue to listen to the show and call into the show. I'm Leslie Marshall. Be sure to tune in every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to Mark and Andrew. You can catch me on Varney and Company tomorrow, 1030 a.m. Eastern on Fox Business Channel, and I'll be on Hannity on Fox News Channel tomorrow night, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, have a wonderful afternoon and evening. Please, 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 Be safe and rethink those conceal and carry permits, right? We'll be back tomorrow.